This week on The Change Law, we're talking with Daniel Stenberg about 23 years of Curl. Daniel shares how Curl came to be, what drives and motivates him, maintaining a good cadence of an open source product, what to expect from HP3, how many billions of users Curl actually has, whether or not it's on Mars, and Daniel also shares funny stories like the Spotify and Instagram hacking ring. Huge thanks to our partners, Linode, Fastly, and LaunchDarkly. We love Linode. They keep it fast and simple. Check them out at linode.com slash changelog. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com and get your feature flags powered by LaunchDarkly. Get a demo at launchdarkly.com. Linode is simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing that developers trust. Linode is our cloud of choice. We trust them, and we think you should build anything you're working on, a fun side project, or that next big infra move at work with Linode. The best part, you can get started on Linode with $100 in free credit. Get all the details at linode.com slash changelog, or text changelog to 474747, and get instant access to that $100 in free credit. Again, linode.com slash changelog. We're back. It's our good cadence of every three years, which is just a random number we chose. It's three people every three years. Sounds pretty good, but it's good to have you back. So the first time we had you on was like 2017, a long time ago, 17 years of Curl. And then Curl Turns 20 was our second show with you. And now we're back for 23 years. Big moment. How you doing? Hello. It's good to be here. Time flies. 23 years. <laughs> yeah. Just a number. <laughs> just a number. Well, it's it's good and arbitrary, but it's for a good reason. I mean, Curl is one of the most used pieces of software that I'm aware of in the world. Yes. And we've covered that and it's been debated. It's well known and we've even gotten some hate because it's so used. We might talk about that today, but it's just such a used thing. And you're still, from what I understand, a sole maintainer of it. There's some contributions, of course, but you're the primary person behind it. And we want to kind of dive deep into all those details, what it means to start it, what it means to lead it. And you've asked your audience a ton of questions about what we should cover here. So thanks to all of your Twitter followers for kind of setting the, the tone for the conversation, at least to some degree. Yeah, we've got a lot of good suggestions there. Yeah, yeah. I like to take the opportunity when, when I have this birthday, since I know when I first released Curl, I know when the birthday is. And I like to just go back and, you know, bring it all together and maybe think about how we all started, what I've done the last few years and yeah. so on. So I think it's, it's a good opportunity to just vent through it and yeah. look back a bit. What's the official birthday for Curl? March 20. March 20. 1998. Wow. Wow. That's also a bit arbitrary since that's the first release I actually called it Curl, since I actually called the tool with another name before that. And maybe I should count that as a... But I don't. So <laughs> March 20, 1998, I released Curl for the first time. Gotcha. Well, the good thing is, is you're in charge, so you can you can make those choices if you'd like, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. We can give those extra two years to you, so it could actually be 25 years of something. <laughs> we can round it off. <laughs> we can round it off for you if you want. It's like time travel. And that would actually make a good show, 25 years of Curl instead of 23. Right. And since I changed the name twice before that, I kind of many birthdays, you know. Yeah. Why not? Many opportunities here. <laughs> and since there's it's a multiverse, we can have infinite options and opportunity so anyways yeah. but that's good i mean you know the internet was different back in 1998 oh yes like way different right i mean the problem set the internet itself the needs for apis the needs for 
doing what curl does as a tool has changed drastically and so many more use cases of coming to play. Yeah. And I think back in those days, of course, nobody really knew where it was going or right. that HTTP would become this protocol that everyone would use for like APIs and REST and every, everything that, that was just a big unknown, right? So yeah. it just happened. Yeah. And of course, I didn't know what, where, where Curl would go either, right? Because in 1998, that was 2000 lines of code, just a tiny little tool. So yeah. What was your initial desire? What was your initial use case? Just grab a website? No, I was going to just download currency rates for my IRC bot. Okay. I wanted a little tool to just, you know, every day maybe download currency rates from a site and you hosted currency rates. You're a Forex trader or what? No, for I had a bot in an IRC channel. So you could just, you know, have a currency rate translation service in the chat. Okay. So, hey, bot, what's 100 USD in Swedish crumbs today? Mm-hmm. Now we ask Siri that. Hey, bot. Yeah. Hey, Siri. <laughs> exactly. At least we try. And then she says, here's what I found on the internet for. <laughs> she probably uses curl in that process, don't you think, Daniel? Well, my, my exchange was roughly the same. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was rather crappy. But uh, still, that's why I started uh, looking into HTTP and getting HTTP done. It's important to note that big things have small beginnings. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything starts somewhere, right? So that was my sort of humble beginning. And, and then, of course, I released that and some users found some bugs and added some requests. Maybe we should do this. And then I found another site that hosted currency rates on Gopher. So I added support for Gopher. And then it took a few months until I found a third site that hosted currency rates, currency rates over FTP. And then I added that. That's the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Snowballed. Yeah. So if you fast forward to now and you gave it the same answer to the same question, what was your most recent use of curl? That wasn't some sort of like development. I'm working on curl thing. Do you use it as just like a regular user? I actually use it embarrassingly little these days. So yeah, I still use it for for simple cases. But yeah, more like ordinary my ordinary command line style, any Unixy guy, you know, I want to script something and I have curl there. Dude. Mm-hmm. So I, I rarely use it very complicated because that would mean working with curl as, as a tool a lot, which I don't done since I nowadays work with curl full time or supporting and working mm-hmm. on it, which is one of the biggest changes right since three years ago when we did this the last time. Yeah, I was going to say you're now full time, right? Yeah, exactly. Which, of course, has changed things for me around a bit. And you were with Mozilla previously. Tell us the story. How did you go full-time? Uh, well, I quit Mozilla in late 2018, yes. For reasons, I, mostly because I was bored with, with that job. It, I didn't think it developed me. I, I didn't think I had enough fun. So I, I decided to quit that and do something else. And then I looked what I could do and I wanted to do after that. And so... I talked to my friends at this company called Wolf SSL, for, for which I work now, and we decided to do this together. I knew them from before, and then I decided that I will join Wolf SSL, work with Curl full-time, and sell support for Curl commercially then for anyone who wants it, so basically companies who need help or whatever the assistance they need regarding Curl. Nice. That's working out well for you? It does. It works It works really great. It's a little bit of a, of a dream come true since now, finally, what I created back in the late 90s, I can now sort of, you know, taking it all the way as a spare time project mm-hmm. for this long. And now suddenly I can do it for a living. And uh, only that. I don't have to, you know, 
save it for spare time and right. I can do it on spare time as well, but uh, now I can <laughs> do it all the time. So there's this weird phenomenon that happens to people when their hobby becomes their job, like their passion project, their weekend warrior side gig that they love becomes their nine to five. And we see it all the time. Adam and I, in a certain way, have done that. Like our hobby, Adam, this started as a hobby, right? Sure did, yeah. Now you're podcasting professionally. Mm -hmm. And it's like, now this is my job. And something that you just desired to work on and you wanted to do because you loved it, all of a sudden you have to do it because that's how you make money. Does that change your perspective on the work, Daniel? A little bit. Since, of course, exactly as you say, now it's not only what I want to do, but sometimes really what I have to do, or rather what I sign up to do and now, and now I really have to deliver, mm -hmm. not just because I want to do it in an afternoon. So, of course, it becomes a little bit more serious. But I think so far it hasn't taken over anything. So, yeah, th that means I sometimes actually have to spend development time on Windows just because that's one of <laughs> oh, there's, your, there's your drawback <laughs> so, right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There are so many benefits and so much fun anyway, so I can take the few drawbacks with it. I'm enjoying it fully so far. Yeah. So has your family and the rest of your life gained those night hours back or do you just power through because you love it so much and you're still working on it <laughs> nights and weekends? I still do nights and weekends, <laughs> but mostly nights, I would say. Not that much weekends, but mostly nights. Mm -hmm. It's also because I have a very established way of working. So it's basically, I'm just keeping on the same way that I yeah. did before. Now I just do curl daytime and a few hours at nighttime as well. It works really good around the clockwise too. So then I can do stuff in the morning and late in the evening too. It works so I can, you know, fire off some pull requests and they can run CI jobs and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. I think I have pretty good rhythm. Well, it's worth noting that you had sustainability down, right? 21 years before you're full-time on this thing. So the last two years, I'm just rough numbers, 23 now, the project is. You've been working on it for a very long time. You've kind of been the, the picture, to me, of perseverance and open source, just toiling away for years and years and years. And so this is, I mean, rhythm, this is like a lifestyle you've been living. <laughs> oh, it certainly is. And not just a life. Yeah, it's more or less my entire life, right? Yes, I'd say Older than my kids. 23 plus uh, years. Yeah. I don't want to ask you your age, but this might be like half of your life or more. <laughs> it's approaching, yeah. <laughs> it's I turned 50 this year. Okay. So, yeah. so you're going to get there. Yes. Oh. Pretty cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. So now it's your full-time job. If you just set that aside and you told everybody, because that's a very impressive accomplishment. To work on the same thing for that long is amazing. And I know we've actually this before, but you know that was probably six years ago now, so you can share it with a whole new set of listeners. How do you stay motivated? How do you keep toiling away on this open source thing? It's really hard to... I don't have any magic sauce or recipe. I'm just very sort of... I want to make sure that it, that it works, and I always want to happy users, and I want to have those features, and I want to make sure that curl remains a really powerful, you know, the Swiss army knife of, of internet transfers, really, and follow along and make sure that it remains the choice of so many users and can power all these applications. And I think just keeping up with that and making users happy, that's a drive enough for me. And then, of course, positive feedback that people actually appreciate it and they say they enjoy it and like it and it, it does fulfill the needs for them. That's enough for me to make me going, mm. keep me going. What's well, a simple reason to keep going? I mean, you keep it simple, at least. Motivation by the happiness of your users, keeping it working. I think that's a, a pretty humble approach to remaining motivated. I mean, you didn't mm -hmm. say make millions of dollars. 
you know, no, I, I didn't. <laughs> you know, this fantastic exit or, you know, by the way, uh, curl company just got announced or something like that, where you've got like, right. you know, I guess you do have professional support and there probably is a company behind it. Cause it makes sense, but you're not saying, well, I'm really trying to get to that VC dollars. No. And that, that would be a really weird way for me to <laughs> be around about that inefficient way to get to that goal. Yeah. So no, that's, that's really not. I mean, of course I want money as anyone else does, but that's not what drives me. That's not what makes me get up in the morning and stay up late at yeah. night. No. Well, 23 years is a long time. And then over time you've changed your opinions about some things. Now, it doesn't feel like it's been three years since we've talked because I'm an avid reader of your blog and you blog pretty prolifically. So you have lots of writings out there and you've had a bit of a change of tune lately with regarding the programming language that curl is written in. So it's a C program. It's a library and a command line tool, right? And it has been ever, maybe, maybe it didn't start there, but did it start in C from the very beginning? Yes. Yes. And you wrote a post man, a few years ago now, maybe four or five years ago, curl is C and then you wrote a post more recently about all of the vulnerabilities and how many of those are because of the C programming language and just the, the sharp edges and corners you're able to cut yourself on. And now you're starting to talk about Rust a little bit more. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on you. Maybe you're changing mind around Rust and C. Yeah, I'm not sure I have changed it, but maybe refined it. I've grown into a viewpoint where I think I'm, where I think the future could be for curl. I mean, curl is C, it was C, it's been C for 23 years, and I foresee that it's going to be C for a very long time ahead as well, for several reasons. But I do think that there's certainly a way forward to introduce other, like I said, other languages. It doesn't have to be Rust, it could be other languages too. In the way that we in the curl project supports different backends, you can, when you build curl, you can select different ways to build it, basically selecting a lot of different knobs and switches to make your build. Like we can select which TLS backend, SSH backend, name resolving backend, a lot of different things, and HTTP3 and things like that. Mm. And when we go forward, I'm already, and we're seeing this, that's a trend from a few years now, that more and more of those are going to be written in Rust. And that's a way for, for us in the curl project introduce more Rust in the final binary without actually curl changing to Rust, but we're using more Rust. I see. Basically. And one of my more recent efforts, uh, sponsored by ISRG, uh, the ones behind Let's Encrypt, is to make sure that we can actually build curl now with a HTTP backend written in Rust called Hyper, which is then we replace parts of the built-in HTTP powers of curl with a Rust uh, written library instead. Mm -hmm. We do that also with TLS, with the Russell's uh, uh, library and so on. That's interesting. We did have Josh O's from the Let's Encrypt project on the show a while back, and he was very passionate about mm -hmm. replacing a lot of internet infrastructure pro projects yes. with memory-safe languages, specifically Rust. And he has gone about you know doing some of that work, working with, I think, the Nginx folks on some things, working with you on some things. So they basically sponsored you to build this in or build this access from curl exactly and what it is is an app option to build curl with hyper instead of the built-in http and http2 support so you would use that library instead gotcha i foresee a future where we can do this with more things and in effect that is replacing c right with some other language mm -hmm. at the same time i also think there's a 
there's good value in remaining C too, because by having a C library, it also provides the power of curl and libcurl to a really, really large community or and operating systems and architectures and platforms out there mm-hmm. that don't run Rust at all today. So I also think there's still a, and you know, having a solid and proven and tested C library is also valuable for all those platforms. They can't switch to Rust anyway. So they would go between using my library that I claim is fairly well tested and Mm -hmm. reasonably secure compared to using something else that might not be. Well, it's worth noting that when you say it runs in a lot of places, you're not exaggerating. I mean, it runs on an unfathomable number of devices, right? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's insane. So yeah, I used to mention the number 10 billion installations, which is uh, it's, uh, that's more installations than humans on the planet, right? So, mm-hmm. But that's also because I've switched. I probably did that even the last time we talked. I switched, and I talk about installations these days and not number of users because most of the installations of curl, they run somewhere, not necessarily by a user or a human or someone knowingly using it. Sure. What about the platforms themselves, though? I mean, I know you used to post when you'd find it in some new weird embedded place or like wasn't that the Times Square on the... Yeah, New York Stock Exchange, or I don't know, like weird places that you'd find curl being used. Yeah, it's it's really everywhere these days. So it's, uh, it's hard. How about Mars? I'm trying to get it confirmed that it's actually used in space, but I've I've failed so far. And amusingly, I've been emailed twice by NASA people, and I've asked both of them about it, but none of them would respond to that question. Come on, we need some confirmation. Probably the wrong people to ask, and they asked me about some other lame stuff anyway so it's but still i'm trying i'm trying to figure that out (laughs) (laughs) i think it's safe to assume it though i mean if there's tech in space are they using web protocols probably i mean but i guess do you have http in space i mean it's the most known protocol i mean sure that's they got networking there i'm sure right there's got to be computers networked together somehow do they create their own protocol yeah Possibly. Yeah, I would imagine that it actually exists and, and is used in some, I mean, at, at least local area right. networks. like uh, On ISS, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like NSS and stuff like that. They've got to communicate. Yeah. There's got to be something. Why don't you just add a little phone home in there? And then you'll find Man, out, you know. You know? Telemetry. <laughs> let yourself know. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I <would> love that. <laughs> I don't even know if you could have the servers that would maintain that ping, you know. If you have 8 billion devices pinging you. Exactly. Yeah. That would be an infrastructure. Yeah. Not a problem I want to have. Since, Daniel, since you're somebody who's in the tooling space as it relates to web servers, web, HTTP, do you share Josh's concerns about C and safety and replacing and all the things he said about, you know, that it's essentially, I'm trying to paraphrase to some degree what he said in that episode at the end, his desires to replace as much, you know, on the edge and in, in those areas with, uh, with Rust or just thread-safe languages or things that didn't have the vulnerabilities that C does? I think I'm in a general agreement that it is a good thing and a good idea and a worthy mission. But I also think that it's it's a really long-term mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sort of job to, to go there. And sure, and I think Rust is a worthy contender to use for a lot of that. But it's also a long way for Rust to go there, to actually be that really awesome alternative. Mm-hmm. And I see that already now since this work that they, they funded me to work with to introduce this Rust backend in curl, it really shows that Rust also has a lot of things to you know fix 
to make sure that they can actually become that new solid pillar to lean yeah. on for stuff like that into the future. But it, sure, I, I think we will go there at one point or, or another, but I think it's, it's going to be a rather slow transition. Mm -hmm. So another thing that maybe has been a slow transition, maybe not so slow, is you know new HTTP protocols. I know we've talked about Quick with you last time you were on the show. Tell us about the state of the art. Where are things? I know you're right on the bleeding edge. You often are testing things in curl, you know, right alongside the specs getting drafted and really uh, making sure these things are, I don't know, usable uh, in code as they get worked out. So what's the state of the art with HTTP? Right. I, I like to have it be on par with the new developments so that we can use curl a little bit as a tool to try out new protocol stuff. And uh, as a, at the same time, that people that are developing the new servers for this protocol can also use curl to try out the servers. So HTTP 3 is coming. Um, I said that for a very long time. <laughs> I, I've done a lot of presentations about HTTP 3 and that's, I guess that's the slide I've changed the most times. You know. <laughs> when is it coming? Soon, I say, pretty much and all the time. And that's what you're telling us right said, now, soon. <laughs> 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 exactly, soon. Yeah, yeah, I've just been saying it for years, soon. But this time, it is actually soon. So now, HTTP 3 is a protocol on top of Quick, right? So Quick is a TCP and TLS replacement. So we're going to throw out TCP and TLS and we're going to use Quick instead. And on top of that, we do HTTP 3. And both those protocols, both Quick and HTTP 3, they are already pretty much finalized and done. Mm. But they're not shipped as RFCs yet. So that's, they're in the process of actually getting mm -hmm. out as RFCs. So they're you know, uh, discussing phrasing in some descriptions and making sure that everything is done correctly. So, and then there's another work going on with refreshing HTTP in general and getting things done for generic HTTP. And I think that is going to block the HTTP 3 spec slightly. What do you mean generic HTTP? What's that mean? Well, how to define HTTP in a version independent way, right? How does headers and requests and everything work? Ignore the transport over the wire. Hmm. Because there's a lot of things in common, right, between HTTP 1, 2, and 3. And so that's the work is to make sure that we have a document that describes how HTTP works independent of which version mm. you're using. And then there are going... Is like a lowest common denominator thing? or Yeah, pretty much like that. And then there are documents for describing each of these They separate. build on top of that or they diverge Exactly. they have to. Yeah, well, they sort of work together then too. Okay, what's the benefit of having that document? I think it's primarily a clarification to make sure that we're all on the same page here. What To understand that HTTP as a paradigm and usage, it doesn't really change. When we add HTTP 2 and HTTP 3, we primarily change how it's transferred over the wire. We don't really change change how we think or, or use HTTP. I gotcha. It's kind of for backwards compatibility as well as clarification. Yes, I would say so. Okay. I didn't know that was going on. So HTTP 3 is going to come soon, but we're still a bit off until we will see it um, I mean, really deployed because there, there are this time around, HTTP 2 was, was a bit slow and hard to get deployed yeah. everywhere, but HTTP 3 is going to be even more complicated. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> well, you're not painting the best picture of it. Is it better? <laughs> is it good? It is certainly possible to get better. And I'm in better as in lower latency and higher performance for at least for a, a 
good chunk of all the use cases. But I mean, it's it's a different infrastructure now since it's built on UT, UDP and there's a completely different way to use TLS. So all the TLS libraries are going to have to provide new APIs mm-hmm. and OpenSSL is way behind on that. And we're all, you know, we all we know that OpenSSL is the number one TLS library in the world. Yeah. And as long as they don't support it, it'll be a sort of slowing down factor for deploying and adapt, adopting quick. So as a lowly application developer who just wants to get his JavaScript onto your machine, I was very excited by the promise of HTTP2 and the you don't have to bundle anymore. You don't have to you know, put everything all in one file, blah, blah, blah. It's just send those little files. And that didn't seem like it played out in practice to deliver as much of a win as we were hoping it would with H2. Exactly. Is HTTP going to fulfill that promise? It has other promises? What are we going to get out of this at the end of the day? Well, I think if HTTP 2 was only a minor boost for most of us, I think HTTP 3 is going to be an even <laughs> more minor boost for okay. most of us. You're really selling it here, Daniel. I mean, Yeah, what else should we talk about? You're really selling it. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. <laughs> yeah, I'm not selling it because I'm, I'm not here to sell it. He's got um, nothing to uh, sell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm not getting them VC dollars, so no, no need to sell. We're certainly going to see the big guys use it. They're going to jump on it immediately. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to see all the big ones and the CDNs are going to use it. So we're going to see it deployed big time. But I don't think when you're a small player, if you just run a few servers by yourself, it, um, you can just as well wait and see. And mm-hmm. So out. read between the lines. What you're saying is the end users, the the Jareds of the world, the Adams of the world are not going to get much benefit from this change. It's really the infrastructure that's going to get the change. The big players, the edge nodes and the cloud flares. And yeah, the and right. Trickle down. They do it so that we as users of their services will get a better experience. Right. So yeah. hopefully, you know, YouTube will play X percent better when we use it over Quake and HTTP 3 and, and so on. So, yeah. But possibly you need one of those infrastructures yeah. to be one of those to actually benefit or be able to provide it. How much do you pay attention then to, say, 5G and you know the explosion of IoT devices and the non-human devices out there? Obviously, you run Curl, so you pay attention to that stuff to some degree, considering what you build and run. But thinking about network latency you know, with as 5G rolls out and it becomes more stable, potentially nationally or globally, we're talking about devices network-wise you know, non-wired, you know, devices connected at 100 milliseconds as a dream, potentially, like when the network really speeds up, is that what Quick and H3 is going to deliver that kind of stuff? Like those network latencies are all meeting up in the middle, essentially, like this protocol is delivering a faster internet for that. Yeah, I think ideally they will do that. So I think they will certainly help in that direction yeah. and also um, i think we're only seeing the beginning of this also so there's going to be a lot of more development with quick and stuff done with quick and over quick so i think it's going to improve further as, as we go forward how far is your vantage point then is your vantage point considering 23 years in is your vantage point now less one to two years down the road more like five to ten in terms of like paying attention to future tech and future direction because i had a separate conversation that sort of like gave me insight to this landscape of like 5G isn't here and winning now. It's it's approaching, it's coming, it's rolling out. But 10 years from now, it's going to be rolled out. It's going to be much more fast. We're going to be dealing with, you know, at a global scale, all sorts of devices at 100 milliseconds connection. Right. But for me, as a, as a person here involved with Curl, I, it 
doesn't really matter to me <laughs> because I'm going to support my users 3G, 4G, 5G, uh, connected Wi-Fi. It doesn't matter because all my users, and there are plenty, they use whatever they can to do things over the networks, right? So, so they might do more things, faster things, lower latency things in ne the next year, two years, three years. But they're already using curl and they're going to use more curl going forward. So I'm, I'm going to just keep supporting and making sure that people can do internet transfers. And I'm going to pay attention to what the network you know, development happens or, you know, protocols, how they're changing. So I don't see any particular change in, in anything for me or what's going on. And for me personally, I don't really try to predict the future long in advance. I'm just looking at what we're doing right now and trying to see what should I work on the next few mm -hmm. months, really. So from Curl's present day perspective, H3 has been a pain in your butt, I'm guessing. It's complicated beast to support. And we still and we support it experimentally in Curl. And we can, you can, anyone can get Curl and build with HP3 support. And there are several providers. You know, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Google, Cloudflare. They all support HP3, okay. the draft versions today. So you can, you know... You, if you enable it in your browsers, you can actually use it today and, and try it out. So it's there and, and it's you can start fiddling with it. But for me, it's also um, I'm playing with it just a little bit on the side and, and seeing how things go. And since there are so many beta versions and unstable releases of, of everything to use to just build this. And so a lot of moving parts still that needs to get stable first. Our friends at Retool help you to build internal tools remarkably fast. Stop wrestling with UI libraries, stop hacking together data sources, and stop trying to figure out those access controls. Start shipping apps that move your business forward. Learn more and try it out for free today at retool.com slash changelog. Again, retool.com slash changelog. said at the top your twitter followers provided a whole bunch of awesome questions things they can't wait to hear from you so happy to make them happy and we have this one note that says the spotify and instagram hacking ring story so i don't know what that is but i'm excited to hear <laughs> what's going on there tell us <laughs> that's one of my favorite stories in curl so it started out with a woman who emailed me once this was i think three four years ago she emailed me about her Instagram account being hacked. Okay. And she asked me to help her. So all out of the blue, sort of, why is this woman emailing me about a hacked Instagram account? I had no idea. You shouldn't ask me. But, and then she sent me a, a screen capture of her about window and said, but look, your name is here. You can just ask your friends to help me out here. <laughs> Uh, all right, you found my name in Instagram. I had, at that point, I had no idea that Instagram even used Carl. So, oh, right, that's fun. And I tried to convince her then. So, <laughs> exactly. There's another billion users or so, or however many they have. Oh, indeed. Yeah, a lot of users. She didn't consider it as fun as I did. <laughs> it was a good day for you. It was a bad day for her. That's fun. Thanks for emailing me. Exactly. So, oh, that's really fun. But, you know, I've never talked to them. I don't know them. I don't, uh, so, you know, I'll try to explain to her that, uh, you know, I'm, they're just using a component, a source code. I've, 
and built it. That's uh, cool, right? So <laughs> she really had a hard time to accept that. But, you know, you can just ask them, right, to help me. Just, you know, She's like, obviously come on. know them. So a little bit back and forth. I said, no, I don't know them. And, you know, eventually I think she sort of bought that. And she went silent, for, I think, for a week or two weeks or so. And then suddenly she emailed me back again. Oh. You've been lying to me the whole time, she said. Because, look, you did hack my phone. And then another screen capture. Spotify. And that was my name. Oh, too. no. <laughs> so, so apparently she had sort of discovered me completely. So because my name was in both Instagram and Spotify. So obviously I had hacked her phone. And just, you know, my secret uh, Instagram and Spotify hacking ring. She, <laughs> unless I helped her, she was going to reveal this to these big companies. She was going to tell Instagram and Spotify that you've been hacking. Yes. And you wouldn't want that, she said. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, yeah, from her perspective, though, you know, she had to have an aha moment, you know, when she had her second instance on Spotify, you know, because you had convinced her that you had nothing to do with it. And then right. when she saw your name the second time, I could be her in my mind and think, you know what? I got him. He's lying to me. Here he is again. <laughs> exactly. I could sort of feel that I gotcha. Exactly. So I got you red handed. You lied to me. I sort of gave up at that point. I thought, no, I really couldn't. I tried to say, no, that's all, they all so used to come. <laughs> that's hilarious. So she, those, she thought that was a little bit of a, too much of a coincidence for it yeah. to be true. Is it alphabetical? I wonder why you're the one. Because, I mean, there's usually hundreds of things listed on those about pages. And maybe it's just alphabetical and, you're, and curls up there near the top. I think one of the rare instances where my email address is actually in there often. Really? Yes. At least that's an explanation I've gotten many times from people using cars have emailed me. You know, someone who has a problem to figure out the language in their GPS emails me and asks, you know, <laughs> I can't. So, and then I ask, why are you emailing me? And then sort of, I found your email address. <laughs> so, and how? Well, it's in this, you know, screen somewhere and I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and there it was. This is <laughs> wow. a, a sure sign of like frustrated users who cannot get support from Yes. Maybe in this case, she reached out to Instagram and was like, hey, who's hacking me? And she just decided to take it upon herself or the person that's driving this car that's like, hey, I'm having issues like with my self-driving car and it's wrecking all the time. And I think that's also one of the problems I have, right? Because the frustration level at these people at, at, at that point, you know, they probably trusted everything, tried everything, mm -hmm. contacted everyone they can imagine. And then, you know banging their head against it and then they find my email address and emails me and I say I have no idea what you're doing <laughs> I, can, I can understand the frustration in the other end but yes. in my end it, they just appear really random uh, confused you. out of curiosity I had to go into Instagram's section where they do disclose their open source usages and they do list them it seems like alphabetical no it's not alphabetical based on license even the first list they have is BSD3 the second list they have is MIT and the third oh, list is okay. Apache, and I'm either uh, have bad eyesight or what, but there's no mention of curl anymore. Is it libcurl? No, maybe they've changed that. I don't know. So it's URL parser. Maybe that was a swap. Oh. I don't see a usage of curl anymore. Maybe she contacted them and they had to take you out of there. Oh, no. The hacking <laughs> ring. The hacking <laughs> ring. <laughs> <laughs> the hacking <laughs> ring. <laughs> well, there's that billion users. They're gone. Some pointy-haired <laughs> boss made, made them remove oh. curl from the system. Well, that one's hilarious. This other story, quite a bit more somber and not really and tragic, really, was the fella who really attacked you via email because he had gotten hacked. I remember that one. It's called "I Will Slaughter You." I mean, just terrible things. 
being said to you because somewhere either in his software stack or in the attacker stack, curl was involved somewhere. And again, they're like, it wasn't, you're just writing this library, but the email came into your inbox. Do you want to share? I know we don't need to meditate on this too long, but this was the one that hit close to home for you. Yeah, I mean, it actually hit me pretty hard, exactly when it happened at least, because it's sort of, it's actually felt pretty horrible. Yeah. And, and then I think I got over it pretty good. And then he emailed me more mm. and, you know, t- tried to post more on my blog and so on. And then he appeared even more of a lunatic. And I think that made me less... Uh, less concerned or more concerned? Le- less concerned, actually, okay. because it then appeared more, uh, more just deeply confused and... Uh, you know, yeah. rambling about whatever, and then it does. Then it, I didn't really feel as threatened as just you know, Initially. very focused. And yeah, exactly. So I think I got over it. It just felt uh, a sting of um, nastiness there for a while. Yeah, and of course I, I did a police report about it here in Sweden, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, I mean they could be halfway around the world. It's hard on the internet because you can't really gauge people at all. You know, like. You can't tell if this person is serious or trolling or a lunatic or seriously depressed or what it is. But like here it is in your inbox and you're left to just deal with this mess right here in front of you. And that's, that can be incredibly hard to deal with, just even to know how to deal with such a situation. Yes. And and in my case also, I think I replied to his first email pretty instantly and he replied to it again and pretty much said that it wasn't a mistake, I wasn't just rude, I'm, I'm meaning it. And I think that was what made me also take it slightly more seriously mm-hmm. than just, you know, someone blurting out something, you know, in a heat in, in the moment like that. Yeah. When you're reaching out and you reach out to a lot of people, eventually you hit some really bad people too mm-hmm. in that way. Totally. It's just a numbers game, really. Yes. Sad numbers game. And what was the case? Was it the case that he, his business had gotten hacked or something? And It was really, really not easy to understand. Yeah. But somehow he claimed that he had lost his business due to some hack and he lost his entire life, basically, his wife and his kids and his job and everything. And he seemed to blame me for something, but it wasn't really clear how or, or what. But apparently he had, he had found my email address anyway. Yeah. So I guess that curl was in there somewhere. Yeah, it was really not easy to tell. Yeah, I couldn't understand from his because you posted some of his his correspondence on your blog, and I was reading it trying to decide like was curl in the attackers like in in the the user agent or the attackers footprint or was it in his business's CMS software stack? I couldn't figure out what the guy was talking about. No, it wasn't really possible to understand yeah. exactly. You have to really make some guesses. So maybe in some way it was involved. I don't know. Yeah, and of course it is involved in a lot of you know, shady stuff. Right. Well, it's a tool and a tool can be used for good or evil, right? Mm. Yes. So, I mean, 10 billion users or whatever installs or whatever that number is more than every human on earth. So you're going to hit the good and the bad, right? And the yeah, in numbers. And I, you know, among all those users that I have, you know, you know, I said Instagram and other Spotify and stuff. Yeah. I know a few really ugly malwares that, and attack softwares that are using curl as well. So I, I know for a fact that some of them really nasty ones are using Chrome mm. too. Does that weigh on your shoulders or do you just kind of shrug it off or what? It's sad, unfortunate, but there's really, really nothing I can do about it, no matter how much I wanted to. So mm-hmm. I just have to live with it. So, you know, if you make a hammer, some bad guys will use that hammer for yep. something really bad. 
well, in your license, you could put, you cannot use this for evil. And then, <laughs> exactly. So even if I had done that, they, would they care? Well, that's the thing is it only keeps the honest people honest, right? Right. Yeah. The evil person does not care about your license. <laughs> so no. Yeah. So no. That does bring us to something that you can control a little bit more, but I bet does have some weight on your shoulders, which is that there are vulnerabilities over time and there are security disclosures and there are serious things that are either in curls code base or inside of your purview. How do you handle security exploits, vulnerabilities? And surely there's incidents that come to your desk and you have to, you know, issue a patch. What does that look like in your life? That's a good question. So, of course, we have our fair share of security vulnerabilities. Um, in two days, we're going to do another curl release and I'm going to announce two more vulnerabilities. And usually we do it like this. So we have a bug bounty these days. So we reward security researchers or anyone actually who reports a security vulnerability in curl that is confirmed a security vulnerability and i think that's fun and good because nowadays we can use sponsor money to pay researchers off or not off but we, we reward them so we get a fair share of reports on suspected vulnerabilities and very few of them actually are confirmed in the end but sure eventually they are and then we make sure that we work with the reporters, we make a fix and we announce that problem and with a fix and everything in the sort of coordinated with the release when we released a new version with that problem fixed. With this release coming Wednesday this week, we've handed out more than $5,000 now in bug bounties. Mm. And we're trying to gradually increase the amounts too so that we can reward um, every new finding slightly more than previously. That's cool. Is that a new thing? It's a fairly new thing um, because we started out, we're using Open Collective these days to, to get funds or collect funds to the project. And we have a fair amount of, you know, uh, recurring sponsors that are funding us monthly with money. And we, right now, that's, that's the biggest uh, way to spend money right now on the bug bounty. And we actually get more money in that we spend on the bug bounty. So right now we are in a fortunate position like that. I've learned that it's a good way to actually be able to pay these researchers because there's a lot of them who are actually who are trying to do this, you know, for, you know, for a living. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pay them, they will go to another project that will pay them. Right. So I, I think in, in this way, we can actually get a little, little of their time and their attention to actually yeah. try to find problems in, in our product. It's a great usage of uh, those kinds of funds. It's also oh. transparent, too, because you got to put out there how you paid or who you paid for X. And like you said, if they're going to do that kind of stuff anyways to, to pen test applications or do bug bounty stuff or security research, makes sense to use those funds from the community in a way that benefits the community. Yeah, I think it works out really good. And then, of course, when someone reports a problem, we confirm it and we can fix it. It fixes the problem for a lot of potential users or that potential people that could be vulnerable for, for that problem. So it works out really good. And then I think we've over the recent a few re most recent years, we've also fixed a lot of architectural things in curl. So we actually decreased the number of problems that we find. The frequency has gone down. Mm -hmm. We don't find as many problems as we used yeah. to do back in the day. Speaking of a lot of people, I mean, we said earlier in the first part of it that first part of the show that you've got a lot of users around the world. And one of the questions you have here is how do you interact with that many stakeholders? You mentioned before about how you keep motivated, which is a very humble portion of it. But how do you stay focused is the opposite. You know, like motivation then 
turns into focus? How do you focus on the needs of that many stakeholders around the world? Luckily for me, or maybe it does, there's both an upside and a downside. I don't have um, that many stakeholders as it may sound like, because most of my 10 billion installations, they're done by users I never talked to and they never contacted me and I've never interacted with them at all. They're just using my product somewhere uh, and they never even, you know, they don't file any bugs, they don't ask for help, they don't do anything. So I'm not in contact with them. That makes it easy because I don't, I don't have to communicate. But it also, of course, gives me less feedback so I don't actually know mm-hmm. of their problems or what they would, would want in, in the next release yeah. or so on. So I'm trying to stay focused on... I communicate with people on the mailing list and on issues and pull requests. So I have a very small... I stay within my little community and if people want to affect me and want to change that, they come to the curl community and we talk about it. And then pretty much everyone has an equal voice an equal vote for whatever we do. Of course, if someone actually pays me, like curl support or whatever, mm-hmm. help them out with something, that of course will have a higher priority because then I will work on whoever pays me to do mm-hmm. something, right. which of course that yeah. would also most potentially go back into the project as well. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, you've got that many users. Say the number again, was it 10 billion? Is that a confirmed number? Is that an estimated number? How do you come to that? That's a very rough estimate, but I'm actually, I'm I'm working on a new estimate. I think it's actually more because of the number of installations everywhere. And it's in every mobile phone. There's a a number of installations in every mobile phone even. And in pretty much every server, every desktop, every internet connected device that you're carrying around. So So IoT devices are in there too, like non-human API pinging IoT devices. Probably, they're usually harder to count for me, yeah. so I usually don't count them very high, but they're certainly in there. Well, that's then that would be you're on your track to, to trillions, because, I mean, that's the estimate. <laughs> that's the estimate of what? Right, the estimate is is in the billions now to close yeah, to trillions sure. in the next few years. I think Curl is often more used in, in slightly bigger IoT devices and not in the tiniest IoT devices, but sure. Mm-hmm. So not a doorbell or something like that. Yeah, it's impossible to really say really firm mm-hmm. numbers. So I'm just, you know, trying to count where I know curl is used and then, you know, guess the rest. <laughs> Might be easier to count where it's not used. Yeah, but that's also hard. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a smaller number. How many devices do we have on the, on the planet? On the yeah, or on the non-planet. Uh, yeah. The ISSs of the world or the, exactly. what's the, the recent rover's name? Expedition? Not Expedition. Curiosity, no, Curiosity was the right. one from a few years ago. What's the newest? Gosh, I feel terrible. I don't have my NASA, my NASA hat on right. here. But I haven't had that confirmed yeah. either, so I don't think it's on Mars. Either. We're speculating for you, don't worry. <laughs> it, you know, that's, that's something I think is really interesting, though, the wisdom you just shared there, because while you may have seemingly infinite stakeholders to please, you've found a way to remain focused, which is staying within your lane, essentially. And that's maybe the advice you give to anybody who is in a similar shoe to you, which is stay in your lane, kind of, you know, guard your time, guard your focus. That's what you've done by not having to sort of like appease these 10 billion plus potential users. You seem to just focus on the community that needs you most and everyone else just sort of falls off your purview because it's not in your focus area. I would say so. And also I think um, that helps me also keep focus on on the actual people. I mean, if someone brings me an issue or brings a, a patch or something, they are the focus, right? Not if someone is right. using curl in a billion instances Squeaky somewhere. Wheel. Yeah, they, I mean, they're outside of my, you know, 
vision, they're somewhere else. I don't have to care about them. Yeah. So it's better to care about them who are actually here now. And of course, um, make sure that we're staying on track so that we're going in the right direction, which of course is also really hard to say, which, which is the mm -hmm. right direction. Yeah. We could go that way or that way, but... Mm. It could be also a function of the tool, you know, what it does. The Swiss Army Knife. If you think about a Swiss Army Knife, I mean, some people just use a nail file, you know? Other people use the scissors, and then somebody uses a knife, and they accidentally cut themselves, and they come, come and tell you the knife needs to be sharpened or whatever. But, I mean, I know for me, I've never interacted with Daniel on his mailing list or his issue tracker or any aspect <laughs> of his project besides... I man curl is about as far as I get, or I Google curl how to do this thing again for the hundredth time. Mostly I just use curl dash I because I like to see the headers. Like that's my biggest use case is curl dash I <laughs> or just curl and then redirect the output to a file so I can right. inspect the file. And that's pretty, you know, I'm just using the nail file. So for a lot of people, curl just works because it's very powerful, but it can do very simple things. And a lot of us just use it to do, I mean, sometimes I'll open up dev tools and you can do the copy to curl, you know, and that's really cool. But I see it that what that copies and I'm like, holy cow, there's lots of junk you can pass into curl, you know, but I've never, ever used any of that junk. Now there's power users who do, and you're probably having them on your mailing list or in your issues. And they're maybe driving some of the project in that way. But lots of us, even if I'm not just using it on my iPhone, completely unaware as most of your users are. I'm actually a person who types curl into my command line. I'm still not the person who's given you the feedback, you know? And there's probably thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people like me just happily using curl from their command line to download a file or check some headers, and that's about it. Oh, absolutely. And of course, the next level is someone asking for help, but not from us anyway, you know, right. posting on Stack Overflow or asking their distro people or who in a forum somewhere else. So sure, there are a lot of, various degrees of users. Uh, most people, of course, never need any help or have any problems. They can just go on with their lives and use curl. Yeah. And be Do you get involved it. in those forums, like the Stack Overflow or anything, or you stay purely on the code? I monitor it a bit. I answer it sometimes. It's hard to give feedback on those sometimes, because sometimes I feel that the distance between me and the users are a little bit too big. It's yeah. better if someone else takes that. So, I mean, I feel maybe I'm a bit too entrenched in, in yeah. the details sometimes to actually answer the user who actually asked for a simple question. They didn't really want to know how <laughs> yeah. the engine works. Hang on, Daniel. <laughs> Copy and paste in this. Let me show you the third chapter of my book. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, something like that. So sometimes I just have to, no, no, I better hold off here. <laughs> That's wise. That's good. Yeah. What about managing the direction of things? You know, you sort of have a product manager role kind of thing. You got to, a cadence to deliver in terms of like managing the, you know, the continued development of it. You know, obviously you've been doing this for a very long time. So you've either, you've either learned by the school of hard knocks, having done it yourself for so long, or you've read some books, where do you kind of derive some of the wisdom you have or may desire to have more of as it relates to managing and directing the product itself? I think if, I've, I don't, I haven't read any books on it. Well, I have, I've read a few books on like how uh, others have, done it with open source and stuff. But I think I've primarily looked and worked with other projects for a long time since I've been into open source since way before I started Curl. So I've been I've appreciated open source and enjoyed open source and worked with it and, and built open source code for a long time and seen how others are doing it. And you know, if you join an open source project and participate that you can see what works and what you think is good and not good. 
I would like this to work in my project. And, and I'm then trying to make sure that I'm doing it the way I would like it. I mean, if I was a participant in my project, I would, would want it to work like this. And then I just try it out. Yeah. But, and then, of course, I've done a few things that maybe wasn't that good and didn't work. And then we do something else instead. And I'm trying to listen in what people are saying, because if you're just being, uh, you know, humble enough and just ask people, they will tell you. If, or if they don't tell you, it's probably good enough so that I don't have to ask. I can just go ahead and pick whatever mm-hmm. I want. So it's actually, I think it works out really good to just get a few, ask people, see what others are doing, and then try it out. And if, if, if it goes wrong, we turn and go another direction instead. So you, you listen. I try to, which of course is um, also hard if there's nobody speaking, because that's also yeah. a problem we have sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want to make this. Should I do it this way or that way? And then I ask on the maybe on the mailing list and there's crickets and then I just maybe I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what do you think is the most viable channel you have then in terms of inbound information to you in terms of like a a response from the community saying this is the direction I'm taking it or this is the direction it should go. I'm taking it meaning the user using it and how I use it or the usefulness of it or the downsides of it. How what's the most viable channel you have, you think, that you get that feedback loop? I think I have different channels to get different kind of users. So I, definitely, definitely, if I want to do it technical things or protocol things, that's that's a libcurl mailing list. That's where we do all the sort of core architecture design stuff. If I want to actually know how curl users, you know, command line users are actually thinking, then it's usually better to just ask on Twitter or somewhere where people have not opted in. To, mm. Because even the curl users mailing list where people are actually using the command line tool, that's also a very self-selected people, a bunch of people that usually had a problem when they arrived the first time. Right. It depends. I try them all, really, and to see, see what I can get. And um, I also try, since a few years back, I try to do things nowadays as um, experimental features. So I land them in curl and code as marked as experimental so that I disable them by default to sort of try out the waters before I unmark them as experimental and ship them for real in code. So just make sure that this is maybe in, in, in what people actually want and, and how it works that people actually appreciate. I'm not sure it actually makes any difference, right. but it makes me less reluctant to ship something in code because now it's at least not, you know, carved in stone immediately day one. Right. It could be changed. It's sort of like a beta within a product. Right. Exactly. So I had the opportunity to change the name, change some stuff before I actually, you know, carve it in stone and say, now I'll support this forever. And there's an opt-in process for these experimental features, you said? Yeah, exactly. Then you actually have to explicitly opt in when you build curl. So I want to have this enabled in my build. That's in curl config mm. or it's like in the build itself? Yes, it's in the build itself. Gotcha. So you have to actually, like HTTP 3 support is still, you have to actually build it. Gotcha explicitly enabled to get it there. Is that to reduce memory footprint or bug potential? Like, why couldn't I just opt in at runtime versus at build time? More of a bug, since then I want to have that, um, I want to reserve the right to change behavior or maybe, you know, change the name of flags. So I'm a little bit concerned that if I, I enable that by default, someone will run ahead and use that and then will come back and be upset when I change it. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to make it really when I do it experimental, I want to make really sure that everyone is aware that this is experimental. So you have to. Gotcha. You want it to be as formal as possible, like a, fl- a command line flag or even a flag, you know, some sort of option. The library would be a little bit less formal and maybe people 
would do that more more likely to do that and not and and rely upon it whereas if it's like actually you have to build curl with this experimental flag <laughs> not very many people are going to do that unless they're actually are no. re- willing to experiment no. like yeah i'm experimenting here yeah makes sense but it's it's a hard sort of i have to make some sort of balance there mm-hmm. don't you have some sort of a survey you do as well i'm thinking of inbound way then i can and some sort of a conference or at least a meetup that's true. Yeah, well, uh, both actually. So I try to do uh, an annual survey just among users, really, that I try to just get as many curl users as possible to respond to an answer. That gives me feedback on what people use and what they want next and what they think about things in curl. So that's actually a pretty good way to get a, an overview of where, where people, especially in what people use in terms of, you know, what protocols are you using with curl and stuff like yeah. that. And then we also have an annual curl developers meetup, which is also a way, good way to talk to people physically. Not physically these days, of course, but at least talk to people live and see where where other curl developers want to go and what they think. And, and that's proven to be well worth your time and efforts to put that together? Oh, yeah. The, the, both of them are excellent ways to get feedback. And I think they also work really good as a inspirational source to sort of... Well, when you read and, and learn where, where people are and where they want to go with curl, it's, it's, I think that's a good inspiration and keeps up the, keeps me motivated. Often they help to bring out new ideas of how to do things or what to do going forward. This episode is brought to you by our friends at O'Reilly. Many of you know O'Reilly for their animal tech books and their conferences, but you may not know they have an online learning platform as well. The platform has all their books, all their videos, and all their conference talks. Plus, you can learn by doing with live online training courses and virtual conferences, certification practice exams, and interactive sandboxes and scenarios to practice coding alongside what you're learning. They cover a ton of technology topics, machine learning, AI, programming languages, DevOps, data science, cloud, containers, security, and even soft skills like business management and presentation skills. You name it, it is all in there. If you need to keep your team or yourself up to speed on their tech skills, then check out O'Reilly's online learning platform. Learn more and keep your team skills sharp at O'Reilly.com slash changelog. Again, O'Reilly.com slash changelog. like to learn a few things from the curl master himself tips and tricks things you may or may not know about curl probably adam and i will not know about curl that daniel does know about curl lay some on us Uh, help us improve our curl foo okay first of course i'm going to keep up with what i do on uh, a lot of forums i say that you should not use capital x and the, the keyword when you're just doing regular curl stuff because curl does the request verb by default. So you just type curl in the URL, it will make you get. You don't have to actually tell it to do a get. If you do curl dash D, some data and the URL, it will do a post. But that's boring. One of my favorite uh, command line options that, um, that so many people don't know about, and it may be not always the most useful, but it's dash dash libcurl. 
So you mm. type, a, you know, you make up your fancy curl command line, do whatever you want, mm -hmm. and then you add dash dash lib curl file name dot c, and do the same thing again. And then it will generate a template C code for doing the same thing okay. as a program. Then you just rebuild that linked with lib curl, and you have your own application that does that little thing. That is cool. Program. How many languages does that support? Can you do it in Rust? It supports C. <laughs> it supports C. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, but I had to ask anyway. <laughs> it supports C. But the good thing here is that most bindings for libcurl, they use more or less inspired from the API yeah. from libcurl themselves. So it's usually fairly easy to translate that to all other languages if you're just using a libcurl binding. Mm hmm no, that's super cool. So you could translate it easy to PHP or PyCurl or the other bindings. Now, why did you develop that one? What made you do that? Maybe because you were debugging somebody else's flags or something? Or That question is very common. I have this, I want to do this in libcurl. How do I do it? And usually a lot of users, they already know how to do it with the command line. Right. They just want to do that exact translation. And I figured, well, curl knows this, so I could just, you know, just do the translation. I already do it, basically. I just have to also generate the code for it in, in text format and just output it. Yeah, It has cool. actually been very useful um, many times to just show users and help users to get started. Yeah, sounds like a time saver for support. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't actually produce a completely, in, in all cases, a replicant because there are details, but it's usually a very good template to get started with, at least. Then when you have that, you can get that going and then you start working from yeah. that. Listeners, if you want to link to this, I'm going to link to your dash dash libcurl chapter in libcurl basics in your book, Dan, because hey, that's what you do, right? Whenever you, it's TLDL, too long didn't listen. Maybe it's just <laughs> yes. docs. So I'll link up that uh, in the show notes when we get there. It's very informative. I mean, that's cool. I like that option. Hit us with another one. You got any more? One thing that I imagine that a lot of users already know about, but when you're doing a lot of testing poking, you want to know about the dash w option also dash dash write out it's a way to extract extra metadata from the previous transfer so you can for example easily extract the http response code the size of the transfer or a lot of different timings from the previous transfer so if you for example you want to know exactly how long time curl spent on the name lookup phase in the transfer you can actually output that so they appear as little variables that you can output in a long string so you have i, I don't know 30 different variables that you can output then in that that gets output after the transfer is done so maybe you throw away throw away the output and just output a lot of data from from the transfer you can do that you know if you do that on a cron job uh, on every minute you can see how the name result times vary over the day or whatever. Yeah. A lot of a lot of fun things you can extract mm. with that. That's pretty cool. What about the data itself? Are there any interpretation tools built in or modes where I don't think it does like JSON parsing or will it do anything? No. I've actually tried to make that as a separation where I draw the line. Okay. Pretty much curl delivers the data or sends it data, the data the other way, but it doesn't actually interpret the data. It doesn't handle the data. You pass that on to something else. You do JQ if you have JSON. You have a right. HTML parser if you want to parse the HTML, but curl itself doesn't do that. Keeps it all simple, I bet. Unix philosophy. It, yeah. It's simpler, and it also makes me more focused. And it's, it's actually, I think it's a pretty good line in the sand. This side, we can do it. That's a, Do we deal with contents? No. Right. Curl has no idea about what content you're delivering. Yeah. It's just a transfer of it. 
Exactly. Transfer of whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> could be could be going good. Who knows? Now you shared this before, but it is worth noting that you can output to a file without without a redirect, right? Without a pipe or anything like that. You can do a, a certain flag that will just download the file as is and similar to the wget's default functionality. You want to recover that for those who... Right. If, if you add the dash capital O option, it will use the file name part of the URL locally. So if you have HTTP colon slash direct example dot com slash file dot JPEG, it will use that ending file dot JPEG as a local file name if you use dash capital O. And it will, turn, it will put the data in the file. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, way back uh, when we first had you on the show, you blew my mind because this was the tail of the show too. It was like a magic feature you described it as. And it was actually uh, creating a curl RC file and then they're putting dash dash remote dash name dash all so that it automatically passed dash O by default. Yes, exactly. You can do that. Then, And that option is similar, but then it, that option will be used for all URLs. If you specify a number of URLs, it will apply that to all of them. Which may not always be the desired case if you're a Power Curl user. In my case, the majority of my use of Curl is that. So it's it'd be a Download nice file. smart default for me, but maybe not for everyone. That's cool. Right, and when I, when I created Curl, I wanted it, I actually wanted it to be more like the cat command in Curl, you know, that you cat a file and it outputs it right. to, to the terminal. I wanted Curl to be that, but for a URL instead, so you would just that. So I, I felt that was the sort of the Unix philosophy to just do that. So that's why. It totally is. Print a standard out and it integrates so much better with all the other command line tools when you do that. But then you need an optional one to save it as a file. Right? You know, when you're Coca-Cola and Pepsi comes along and they say, well, we have Pepsi Zero, you know, you have to say, well, I can do Coke <laughs> exactly. Zero too. So. Touche. Touche. <laughs> Any other uh, whiz-bang tricks for us before we move on? Well, I could possibly mention it's a pretty specialized option. It's called dash dash next. It's a way to separate different set of options. So you can use, for example, if you want to do get and post within the same command line, you can do curl and a URL, and then you could use dash dash next, and then you could use dash D with data and a new URL, because then you would first do a get, and then you would get a post, so because dash dash next would sort of reset the state of the command line mm. and start mm. over. And you can do that many times in the command line. Then then you can do get head post get in a long sequence. So you're kind of chaining commands, but you're not doing separate commands. Right, it's one curl command. And by uh, keeping the same command line, you can reuse connections and stuff like that. So you can make it much more performant than you could otherwise. That's why it's there. Pretty I see. So it keeps like a TCP connection open versus if I did you know curl this and and curl that and and curl this, those would be new connections every time. Exactly. Then you would have to set up a new connection. Each new I time. See. Which, of course, when you do two commands once, it doesn't matter. But if you're doing in the loop perhaps a million times, it will actually matter. Mm. What about uh, retrieving and, and maintaining session cookies and stuff like that? Is that all part of that as well? Well, no, because if you want to store a session, if you want to store cookies, you usually can do it two ways. You don't, you don't have to store cookies if you don't want. If you, for example, you want to do it like that, you want to do a lot of requests using this one command line and just keep using cookies you can just type dash b and the file name that doesn't exist so you just get started to use cookies and it, it will use cookies automatically in the session or you can use dash c which creates a cookie jar on the file uh, as a file so then you can store it on disk and then 
in repeated invokes, you can read it back from the file. That there are several ways to do it. Okay. Depending on what you want to do. If you want to save the cookies for the next day, for example, you want to save it in a file and use it again next day and update that file over and over every day, perhaps. I think the common use case there is like your first request is a post to do some sort of sign-in, right? And then you store the cookie. Right. And now you yeah. want to get a protected page as that user. And so if I use dash like, B... Like a login and yeah, then I'm logging the in file. and now yes. I'm getting a page that's private you know, to that user. That's a very common question is also because often you want to get the login page first because then you get a cookie. So you store that cookie in the cookie jar and then you do the post which makes a login and you get updated cookies and then you get that magic file you want to do get as a logged in user. Gotcha. So, so there's usually three requests. So you just create the cookie file first and then you use the cookie file and create it, update it. So are you doing dash B on those or are you doing you dash, dash dash B next? is for reading. You use dash B for reading and dash C for creating. Oh, okay. So typically you do both actually. Okay. Both reading and writing if you want to update the file as well. But if I did just dash dash next, that would not work. Dash dash next, is, it doesn't enable. So you have to enable the cookies. Okay. Specifically, you would use dash B first for enable the cookie engine, and then you could use dash next, and you would you would gotcha. keep using the cookies. And those cookies and cookie jar would carry through the, the continuous sequence through dash dash next and whatnot, if you did it in the first part, in the get part. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you can do a full login and get sequence in one command line if you, if you do that. crossing it good enough. Sure. Where do you send people to when they, to discover these features? Like, for example, I will do man curl, for example, as Jerry will say before, but, you know, deriving knowledge from manuals is difficult. Let's just say it's not written to a human or from a specific use case. So I often find myself Googling or something else and I discover, you know, features. Where do you point people to to discover features like this of curl to find useful or new ways they never thought they would actually find curl useful? It's of course hard because there are so many ways to use it, so it's hard to cover everything. My idea or my vision is rather to have the, that sort of description or tutorial-like things to be documented in the Everything Curl book, which is everything.curl.dev, which is meant to be more of a learning, getting into stuff like that. I mean, the Mon page is good, but that's more for a yeah. reference mm -hmm. if you know exactly what you want to do, figure out how to do it, not getting into learning things. So that's what I want everything curl book to be. Is this like a living book then in that case where it constantly grows and evolves, where it's never like really written, it's more like constantly in write mode? It is constantly incomplete, yes. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> reassuring in, and also disappointing. <laughs> Mostly reassuring. It's fairly thorough, but since the project is moving, right. the book will remain incomplete, right? And yes. I mentioned that earlier too. Uh, in libcurl basics is actually where you have that dash dash libcurl where you mentioned earlier. We're going to link that up. So that'll at least give people the inroads to everythingcurl.dev or actually everything.curl.dev. Sorry. Cool URL. But we'll link up to the main page too that where you can dig and peruse as you like. Yeah, that's also new since three years, right? I have two new curl on domains on curl.se and curl.dev. Mm. Sure. I got late last year. Weren't you on like hacks.se or something before? No, hacks, uh, yeah, curl.hacks.se until November last year. But now you got curl.se. Yes. And then I got curl.dev. <laughs> Which one are you using? <laughs> I'm using curl.se actually. Uh -huh. It's shorter. And I don't figured eh, it was more fun to use the SE one than the dev one. I don't know why. But. Is SE for Sweden? What is S.se? Yes. Okay. Yeah, SE Sweden. So yeah, so I got the SE one first, 
And actually, I've been trying to get it for a very, very long time. It became available and someone else snatched it before I was able to buy it. Mm. It turned out that it was a friend of mine who gave it to me. So. Oh, that was nice <laughs> so. of him. Oh, nice. They, they bought it on your behalf. Nice. Do you ever run into any sort of copyright issues in regards to Curl, considering domains and stuff like people sitting on stuff that you shouldn't? Like, is that ever an issue for you? You mean people using Curl to download things they shouldn't? Well, do you ever have to defend, I suppose, the what you have as a Curl copyright? Is there ever anybody using it nefariously or incorrectly or downright illegally that you have to defend? I mean, considering for the most part of one person maintainership, a community around it. You'd mentioned the uh, Open Collective Fund for and how you use that for security bugs. You'd mentioned how your work relationship and how that interacts with Curl and enables you to work on it full time. I'm just curious if, if you've got like a, an attorney or a legal department <laughs> or an, a need for one. Very rarely, actually. It happens, but it's never happened big time and it's never be- become any serious issue or problem. So uh, fingers crossed, uh, it seems to be working yeah. fine. But of course, I mean, I would figure it out if I have to, but I haven't had to do it at any particular big thing. I mean, I mentioned that before that I, there was once a lawsuit that involved technology that Curl uses in the US, but it never went anywhere and I don't know what happened. So it's never been neither copyright nor patents nor anything has, has sort of struck us in, in any particular yeah. way. I was once contacted by the company Curl Curl Inc. that owns the curl.com domain. It was very early on in the Curl project. They basically asked, hey, what, what's this Curl thing? We are Curl. What are you? Mm. <laughs> and I, I replied basically that, yeah, we're, a, we're a Curl, we're Curl, blah, blah, blah. And, but they never responded back again. And they still exist as a Curl Inc. So I figure they have just <laughs> learned to live with us. We certainly don't. Kind of reminds me of that Spider-Man meme where the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. Mm-hmm. And so you can have like one saying, I'm Curl. No, I'm Curl. <laughs> no, you're Curl. No, you're Curl. Right. And there was actually a point in time where it actually could occur some, some you know, someone would actually mistake our Curl for their Curl. That's a, some sort of web programming language. So I, I don't know exactly what it is, but it, it seems to be a part enough so that it actually doesn't confuse anyone. I was curious because you mentioned domains and changes and anytime you have that, you got separation between what I saw last and what I think is true. And so you might have someone trying to leverage those changes beneath you in terms of changing URLs or curl.dev or curl.se and masquerade as the real curl. Right. I know that there there have been, I don't know if they're still around, there are some clearly free loading sites that have registered uh, some curl sounding domain with on some top level domain, just, you know, add filled things basically then re- redirects to my sites. But that seems more like really lame attempt to make money because it doesn't really work. And I think they're mostly closed down. Mm. Well, 23 years is a big deal. And mm-hmm. we're here to say congrats and thank you for making an awesome tool and sticking it out and sharing your knowledge back. You are just such a, an example of someone having a hobby that turned into the full-time thing. And it's just a big deal. And we really appreciate you coming back on the show three times now and, uh, you know, sharing your vantage point of what's changed. We're talking about H3 versus H2 this time and 
all the changes that have happened. And uh, we just really appreciate the work you've put in. So uh, hopefully that's also motivation to keep it going as well. But is there anything we haven't asked you as part of this call that you're just like, I just really want to share this before we go? Is there anything we haven't asked you at all? I think we've covered a lot of uh, ground, so I can't recall anything <laughs> we missed. I would real quick just like to encourage you to keep writing as well, because not only the work that you're doing on Curl is important, but I think that you're writing about the work you're doing on Curl and about your trials and tribulations and things you find and even just the funny moments is awesome. And I really appreciate reading what you write. And I know a lot of other people do too. So keep up the good work on the blog as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll try to do that. I think it's fun and I think it's a good way to reach out with all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. When you're having a bad day, you know, or you don't want to deal with issues or the mailing list or something else, just write, you know, <laughs> got yeah. another thing to do, you know, why not? But uh, seriously, Daniel, thank you so much for all your efforts into Curl. I appreciate it as a tool. I appreciate you as a human for uh, doing what you do in open source and being an example to follow. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Change Law. Thanks for tuning in. If you aren't subscribed yet to our weekly newsletter, you are missing out on what's moving and shaking in software and why it's important. It's 100% free. Fight your FOMO at changelaw.com slash weekly. Huge thanks to our partners, Linode Fastly and LaunchDarkly. When we need music, we summon the beat freak Breakmaster Cylinder. Huge thanks to Breakmaster for all their awesome work. And last but not least, subscribe to our master feed at changelaw.com slash master. Get all our podcasts in a single feed. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week.